This is Brian Drury, and you're listening to the Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Welcome to Chasing Dreams podcast with Amy J. Amy believes that realizing a life without regrets is achieved by taking chances, chasing your dreams, making moves, and overcoming your doubts. The Chasing Dreams podcast will help you overcome life's obstacles, believe in your potential, and inspire you to face your fears. And now here's the woman who is passionately pursuing her dreams, Amy J. Hey, Dream Chasers, this is Amy J. And thank you so much for tuning in and listening to episode 44 of Chasing Dreams. I have a wonderful friend to show you guys today and sh- introduce him to you. His name is Brian Drury. He's the founder of Overcoming Graduation, LLC, the creator and host of the Overcoming Graduation podcast, and author of the number one Amazon bestseller, The First Step. He's an avid traveler, having visited 16 different countries, and has created a life where he gets paid to travel while building his personal business. He recently launched his group coaching program to help his clients clear help his clients get clear on their purpose, set massive goals, and achieve them. At just 26 years old, Brian is working to show young adults that they can create the life of their dreams by thinking differently, taking action outside the box, and discovering what really drives them at their core. And I'm lucky enough to have him on the show. Brian, how is it going? It is going great. I'm feeling awesome today and I'm very excited to be here. So thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So when I heard Brian's story, as with every other dream chaser that's been on the show, I knew he had to be on here and there was no doubt we were able to get the schedules to work out. Brian, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your story, about your background? Sure, absolutely. So my story, again, is is something that I think is pretty typical for the young adults and for the millennial generation. And at a young age, I realized that we were being told a story, but a story that I feel is kind of incomplete. So we're all told from a very young age, go to school, get good grades, go to a good college, get good grades, get a good job. And the story just kind of leaves off there. And, And for me, I realized very quickly once I reached that step of the story and graduating from Penn State and stepping out into the real world, it became very obvious that the story that I anticipated, which was follow these steps, check these boxes, and then life will just figure itself out and all your dreams will show up at your front door. But the reality was very different. So when I moved out to Wisconsin to start my first job out of school, I had a lot of questions, but at First, they just got blocked off. It was a new place, new people. I'm going out. I'm going to parties. I'm meeting people. But those questions of like, who am I? What impact do I want to make on this world? And what is it I really want to do with my life continue to be kind of knocking at the door, but I was just refusing to let them enter. And eventually, one day, the trigger that got me into the world of personal development was watching Sean Stevenson's dance party with... Amy, are you familiar with Sean Stevenson? Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, uh, he's, a, he's a good friend of mine now. And uh, at that point, I'd never met him. But now, now he's a good friend. I get to see him at least once or twice a year. But 
at that point, I had no idea who he was. I was feeling kind of lost one day, feeling down, feeling lonely in a place, not feeling like I had any deep friendships or connections close to me. All my good friends were back home. And I watched this video and it completely turned my day around. Then I started watching his speeches and other speeches that triggered me watching uh, all kinds of YouTube videos, TED Talks, awesomeness fest speeches, and starting to read, which prior to that I told myself I didn't like reading. But I found it really just came down to finding the books that connected with me and what I wanted to learn in this world. And that's taken me on a four-year journey, which has had me go from a job that I really – it didn't fit me. At times I even said I hated it in a small town in the Midwest to – uh, I started my first blog and to see if it was something that I would really enjoy. I started applying to companies all over the world that really excited me. I took unique steps and did things differently and did things that genuinely expressed who I was. And though that process of being more authentically me and working to pull away my masks and be more vulnerable led me to interviewing at Google and going all the way to the final round, ultimately not getting the offer. But then the next job that came along was this job I'm in currently, where I get to travel all over the world. Last year, I visited 10 different countries, traveled for 250 days and spent five months living in Brazil, which was a dream come true. And since that first video with Sean Stevenson, I launched Overcoming Graduation. I launched my book, as you said in the intro, and have recently launched my group coaching program. So I've been coaching people. I've helped people get some really exciting results. I went through my own coaching. I've started to go and attend more events. That's part of how I met Sean Stevenson and so many other amazing people in my life. But that's a quick kind of summary of how I went from there to here. So I haven't personally met Sean Stevenson, but I've only heard wonderful things from him. Honestly, I have not met a single person who has a negative thing to say, but for him to have such a profound impact, it seems, on your stories is amazing. Yeah, he, I said to him, so at his, um, at one of his last events, I gave him a copy of my book and I signed it for him and wrote a message. And in that book, I said, outside of my family, you're the person who has had the single greatest impact on my life. And, you know, it was this really special moment for me because I got to look into the eyes of someone who was a hero before and now is like a, what he calls a friend tour, a friend and mentor, and got to look into his eyes and he said, you know, Brian, I'm proud of the man you're becoming. I'm proud of who you were. I'm proud of who you are. And I'm proud of the man you're becoming. And, you know, it was something that years ago seemed impossible. This was a guy who I saw on YouTube with millions of views and I heard about his sessions where people come, they spend $10,000 to work with him for 12 hours. And I was like, I'm never going get to get to meet this guy or maybe way down the road. But again, I think one of the biggest lessons I've learned is to not just read and consume a lot of motivational, inspirational, tactical, strategic material. The biggest thing is the application, is to try, is to fail, is to make calls and reach out. And it was only through trying to connect with him that I did, and then I ultimately got to meet him. But he has had, a, like I said, the single greatest impact of anyone on this planet on my life outside of my family. So what, what brought that on, though? What triggered Sean Stevens? Just randomly searching YouTube, or did someone recommend him to you? It was actually my brother. Uh, there was a day that I was having a really, a really rough day. And 
my brother uh, is very close. He's one of my best friends in the world. And I was texting him and just saying, you know, man, it's not everything I expected to be out here. I'm feeling lonely. I don't feel really connected with anyone. The job is not seeming like it's going to be giving the opportunities that I want in the future. So I, I don't know, man, I'm feeling just down. And so he goes, I got something for you. He sends me the Sean Stevenson dance party video. He says, this will pick you up. He goes, I don't even know who this guy is, but this video instantly made me smile. I know it's going to help you. So it was that first video that literally turned my day around, just seeing Sean smile and dance. I ended up dancing along with him in the video, like in my apartment, I mean, and, um, but actually, two years later, I ended up pop-locking with him in person. I have a video of that. So that was, that was a dream of mine that was very special. But, um, but yeah, that was really the trigger was that rough day and how Sean turned it around. And then I started watching more and more of his videos, consuming more of his content, uh, attending his webinars, all of that. And guys, we'll, we'll have a link to Sean Stevens' dance party uh, in the show notes for you to check out. But that's amazing. So, but... Y- it was a trigger for you, right? So this has changed your mind, your your way of thinking. You you met him, and then you kind of went on this positive spin because, you know, that day you were down and you were talking to your brother. You know, there's one of two ways to kind of look at things, and we talked about this offline a little bit. Have you mm-hmm. always kind of leaned towards that positive viewpoint versus the "woe is me" world is after me kind of thing? I'll say it's varied throughout my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've always been a positive person at my core. That doesn't mean I haven't dealt with depression. I haven't had ups and downs. I haven't been like I've dealt with when I was young bullies and people telling me I wasn't good enough. And I would unfortunately sometimes believe those stories. I remember feeling deep depression as a kid, feeling disconnected, feeling like nobody really understood me or what I wanted to do that. Now, I was very fortunate and blessed to have such an amazing and supportive family. My family has always been my rock and my core. So I at least had that. I also had really great friendships. But I think like all people, we hit our moments where life seems to get the better of us and we start to be looking and focusing on all of the negatives and all of the things that we don't have versus all of the abundance that we have in our lives. So Overall, throughout my life, absolutely. I'm an optimistic person. I was the guy back in our basketball games where we'd be down by 20 with 10 seconds left. I'm like, you know what? If we hit like eight threes, we'll get back into this. But um, that's always been me. And I think that's one of the qualities that has helped me to continue to push through in the tough times. And, you know, in the past two years, I faced the biggest challenges in my life. And it's only by having this mentality, but then working to cultivate it and surround myself with people that share my ambition and my passion for helping people. It's only through doing that that I've really been able to pull myself up, even when I've gotten knocked down the hardest I've gotten hit in my life. I think it's very important for listeners to hear as you don't have to always be positive. No, you can, you're going to go through these struggles. You're going to have these moments of negativity and you're going to face some of your biggest challenges, as, as you did. did last year, you were in Paraguay. Yep. Right? And uh, <laughs> Do you mind if I share that story? Oh, please, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you, uh, you probably share it better, but the gist was you faced a surprising situation. Can you talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that? Sure, absolutely. So this is 
one of my crazier travel stories. And uh, for anyone who has got the travel bug like I do, you know that inevitably when you start to explore and go see new places and try new things, interesting, wild things are going to happen. Now, this I'd say is probably uh, one of the worst. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so I was living in Brazil. Uh, so like Amy had said at the beginning of the show, I work full time and I'm building Overcoming Graduation and this podcast and everything on the side. So I was living in Brazil on a special project with the company I currently worked at and absolutely incredible place. I, it's one of my favorite places in the world. I highly recommend it. And we had a work trip where we get, we're going to fly to Paraguay at night, get there very late, sleep for a couple hours, visit a vendor, uh, eat lunch with them, f- drive back to the airport and come home. And on the way to the airport with, I'm sorry, on the way to the facility, so we landed, slept, and we're on our way there. Literally, we were supposed to spend 13 hours there total from touchdown to takeoff. And on the way to the plant, I ended up getting appendicitis. And this took me on one of the craziest journeys. I've told friends and they're like, that just doesn't even seem real. And I was like, trust me, I know when I was living it, it did not seem real. But uh, from a gas station bathroom in Asuncion, Paraguay, to the driver getting lost and not knowing where the facility was we were trying to get to. So we're driving on mud roads in the pouring rain, lost in a uh, favela equivalent uh, in Paraguay. To finally getting there, they said, okay, we're going to take you to the hospital, but we want to take you to a good one. So it's further driving through the city in a tiny, crazy, small ambulance. And finally getting there, ended up getting the surgery, spent four days in Paraguay, and then flew back to Brazil. <laughs> you can't make this up. That it's, you could have, honestly, don't be surprised, guys, if he comes out with a, a Lifetime movie or something <laughs> based on real life experience with Brian Drury. I mean, well, the, how, what were you thinking in that time period? Well, I'd say the one challenge for the Lifetime movie is finding a ginger. So, you know, they were rare. The ginger actors are rare. But, hey, um, Rupert Grint is out there. <laughs> maybe, maybe Ed Sheeran will do like a singing melody thing <laughs> and acting. You know, he's one of the good ones out there for us. But um, We can so, put a search out. You're right. Um, so for me... The thoughts, and again, a lot of the big challenges that have come about in my life in, in the recent years, I've been able to manage them and handle them a lot better because of the work I've been doing in personal development, in training my body physically, in practicing meditation, working on stress relieving techniques, on working on more effectively communicating so that I'm not holding on to anger at someone when they don't even know what I'm thinking or feeling. So all of these things helped, but I think anybody who's been pushed to kind of the brink of their current realm of knowledge knows there's a point that you hit where pain gets so extreme and intense that all thought and kind of logic and reason goes out the window and really you're just focusing on breathing. So at this point, anyone who's had appendicitis or heard the stories knows it gets very, very painful very quickly. But I was fortunate because we caught it very early. Uh, the doctors told me there's three stages and stage three is like at the point of rupturing and stage one is it's starting to expand. We actually caught mine in stage one. So wow. although it was very painful, it was not nearly as bad as it would have been in any of the higher stages. 
But I remember first I got these really bad stomach pains and I was with five Argentinians and then our driver. And at first I felt these really bad pains. So I like reached in my bag and grabbed some stomach medicine and they were kind of joking with me like, oh, yeah, okay, I'll look at, look at that big medicine bag he's got. But then they saw like I couldn't really talk because all of the muscles in my stomach and my lower back were cramping so hard that I could barely speak. And I do speak Spanish, so language was not the barrier. It was the pain at that point. And they said, what do you need? What do you need? And I was like, we just need to get to the plan. They're like, it's about 15 minutes. And then I just said, baño. And they're like, oh, there's a bathroom at this gas station. I said, great. So we uh, stopped there. And I'm like, oh, my God, gas station, bathroom. I'm thinking about every pit stop I've ever been to I on can't, road Yeah, trips. I can't even <laughs> imagine. Uh, and we're driving through Asuncion, and for anyone who doesn't know, Paraguay is a third world country, and the Asuncion is the largest city. It's the capital, but there, we were in some pretty run-down parts of it. And so I'm just thinking, I can't even imagine what I'm going to see. But we get in there, and ultimately, it's one of the cleanest truck stop bathrooms I've ever seen, and thank God. But um, I'm sitting there like, I, when you mentioned what was I thinking, yeah. <laughs> I remember distinctly in this moment – I'm sitting there like hugging this toilet. I have the, the vice president of procurement from Brazil dabbing my neck with a wet cloth. Um, there's another uh, woman who works at the company as well who was from the Buenos Aires office. And she keeps – she wanted to – part of the reason I love Latin people so much is they're so helpful and affectionate. And she wanted to help so desperately. But she – but I, I just needed time. I just needed to just sit there and like work through this. And so she kept running in and she called me Bri instead of like Brian just to, for, because of her accent. She was like, Bri, do you need water? And, and I was like – I just kind of wave her away. I said, Bri, do you need medicine? And I was like, no, no, no. And so, I mean, I'm just sitting there. I'm hugging the toilet. I hear thunder and lightning outside. Some of the rain is kind of spattering in through the window. And I'm just sitting there. And for a moment, I just remember leaning back and going, really, God? Really? Like this? Really? Here? Right now? Like, not in Brazil where I, I know the area and I'm close to hospitals. I'm like, the 13 hours in Paraguay, this has to happen? And, but then after that, once we got back into the car and we're driving and then we're lost in the middle of nowhere in a favela, essentially, I'm, I was just like, my brain kept kind of shifting to, oh my God, what if we can't get there in time? What if the car gets stuck? What if it flips over? Because we're turning up these insanely steep hills with water rushing down them because they didn't have you know proper drainage so it's like driving up a waterfall and i was like if this car flips it's game over but then i was like all right just brian just focus on breathing just breathe and that's really what got me through it was just staying relaxed and another mentality that i've adopted in recent years is like if i know it's gonna happen there's no sense stress stressing over it so when I went skydiving, people asked me, were you scared? And I said, leading up to it, I was definitely nervous. But once I got there, I was like, listen, I'm going. I already paid. I'm you know, all hooked up here. So I'm going to jump out of a plane today. So there's no sense in getting all stressed out about it. So when I got to the hospital. I'm sorry. People- it's very easy to say that. I'm imagining myself. I'd be in a panic. <laughs> sorry. Well, we all have our things, though. I right. Mean, yeah. True. Like heights and stuff like that. That's, I guess, not a high level fear for me, but. But I will say that mindset has definitely helped. It's, you know, we spend so much time worrying and stressing over things that are inevitable or things that we're not even sure whether or not it's going to happen. And we waste so much energy on these things when really we could just be enjoying the current moment and then we'll see what happens when it comes. And 
when I was in the hospital, they said, it's very probable this is appendicitis. And I just said, okay, I'm just going to take it as it comes. And, um, whatever it is, it is. And they said, I had two options. I could either, they could give me a kind of a relaxing medicine. Uh, I could go on my flight back to Brazil because it was about three hours from that time. And I could get in a, uh, um, an ambulance in Sao Paulo and go to a hospital and get the surgery there. Or I could just do it in Paraguay. But they're like, but either way, you've got to get the surgery. And I was like, I can't even imagine leaving a hospital when I'm, you know, took all this time to get here right. and to go through all of that. So, but when they said it's appendicitis, do you want, I was like, let's just do it and let's get it done and let's take care of this. And some people were like, oh, Brian, that was really brave of you. I'm like, it wasn't brave at all. It was just like, it was just, this is what needs to get done. Let's do it as quickly as possible. In fact, I was trying to avoid pain. I was like, I know if I wait longer, I'm probably in for a lot more pain. So let's take care of this as quickly as possible. So I don't have to deal with that. <laughs> And, and thankfully, everything worked out for the best in the sense that you're, you're better today. Right. Right. You recovered from that incident. The reason I wanted to share that story is we've all, I mean, everyone's gone through some kind of experience, hopefully not as painful as you went through, <laughs> but you, you're still traveling. You're still doing this stuff. And that, that experience, that painful, painful experience, didn't that deter you? Did you ever have a moment where you thought, you know, I... This could happen again randomly, but you know. Yeah, I, I fortunately with the append, I was like, I'll never have to worry about the appendix again. But uh, yes, the it, it was interesting though because in a weird way, this was very comforting for myself and my dad in particular because my dad was like, you know, I love that you travel, I love that you explore. He and my mom met while they were both traveling in France, so travel is a huge part of our family. We love it. But he said, you know, as a dad, you worry, like, what if he gets sick in, a, in one of these remote places that he's visiting? And I've uh, been to some thanks, dad. very, yeah, well, you know, I mean, I understand it. I understand where he's coming from. And, um, you know, I, I've had a number of different, you know, stomach issues or things that have come up as I've been traveling. I've had colds and fevers. So it's happened. But the reality for me was because I've been so fortunate to travel as much as I have and because I've really worked to make it a priority in my life, I knew that there's a risk that bad things are going to happen. And part of the best thing about travel is that what you're doing is pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. And there's a quote that goes, the only real growth comes when we push ourselves out of our comfort zone. And my first experience with travel was when I studied abroad in Spain and that was just the most life-changing thing I had experienced up to that point because it opened my eyes to new cultures, new ways of living. And during that time, I had ups and downs. I had good and bad days. There were times I was hopelessly lost or in a city late at night with nowhere to stay. And yeah, bad things happen. But at the same time, you're, you're putting yourself out there so much more and opening yourself up to so many greater things so it's like anything else in life. It's the more you put yourself out there, the more you feel like you're risking. But the reality is the more that you put yourself out there authentically and vulnerably and you work to do the things that you know you're meant to in life, the more that these things will start showing up, that you'll have these opportunities, that you're putting yourself in a place that amazing things can happen. So I definitely had those thoughts again, especially because I was dealing with 
another stomach issue shortly after, which I just resolved, um, getting my gallbladder removed now. But um, there was fear, but it's like anything else. Um, my coach used to say to me, fear is not the absent, uh, fear is not the abs, or yeah, fear is not the absence of fear, but I'm sorry, I'm, I'm botching the quote here. Um, I was trying to think how that would go. It's confidence, or I'm blanking on the word, but essentially confidence is not the absence of fear, but it's the willingness to take action in spite of fear. The word is not confidence, but, um, but either way, what the courage? meaning, courage, it's yeah, something like that. But um, ultimately what it comes down to is, like you had said earlier, it's not that we never experience fear. It's yeah. not that people that are like every entrepreneur you've met, every high level person that you look up to and revere, they all experience tremendous levels of fear. In fact, the bigger you play, the more fear can pl- play into your emotions. And the more your ego starts to flare up and go, well, what will people think? And what if they don't like me? But the reality is the Fear is something that we create, something we choose to either accept and let it limit us or something we push through. So um, through my coaching and through my own growth, I've been very afraid. And there's lots of times I'm afraid. I'm not sure what's next. I'm not sure where to begin. But I just decide to take that first step. And because of that willingness to put myself out there, amazing things have happened. Now, that's a perfect moment to segue into what I wanted to, to ask you about your book, your number, the number one bestseller, which also, guys, is uh, there's a link in the show notes for you to kind of check it out. The first step. What mm-hmm. brought? I mean, it was a perfect segue, but I want to. I want to <laughs> talk to you a little bit about what motivated you to write this book. Absolutely. Um, so, writing a book was always a dream of mine. Ever since I was a little kid, it was something that would pop up in my head, and I'd say, "Man, one day I'd sure love to write a book." And I didn't know when that day was. I didn't know when would be the right time. But I just said, you know what? In the future. And I think most of us have some dream that we continue to push out into the future with no real clarity on when we're actually going to start taking action. And like we've all heard, there's no better time than now. So when I moved to Wisconsin and I was living out there, I had a lot of free time outside of work because, to be honest, there was not too much going on. And I had to find activities that excited and engaged me and helped me like this place. But I said, you know what, Brian, what do you want your life to be about? And so I started getting into this personal development world and started challenging my beliefs and started saying, what do I really want? What could be possible if I started putting my mind to it? Because I was like, I may not be the smartest guy, but I work very hard and I'm, I can figure things out. So what is it that I want to do? And the book was one of the first things that came up. And I distinctly remember there was a day where I was in my apartment and I was watching TV and a sh- commercial came up with a guy who had his book. And of course, like TV commercials, he had like a mansion and stuff, but I was just more like, man, wouldn't it be great to write a book? And then this voice popped up in my head, this positive voice. And I was like, well, what's stopping you from writing a book right now? And then this negative voice came back and was like, oh, well, I mean, you don't know how to write a book and how would you edit it? And how would you distribute it? And you don't know all this stuff. And that's a lot to take on. So this is probably like impossible. And books are written by people who are older. So you know what? Just don't even, don't even waste your time. And I went, oh yeah, you're right. Okay. 
couple days or a week later, same question comes up. What's stopping you from writing it? Those negative voices come back, but then the positive voice answers again and says, no, I'm saying what's stopping you from writing it? Like literally sitting down and writing it. Not all the other steps, not distribution, not promotion, not advertising. What's stopping you there? And it kind of was this moment where I was like, okay, Brian, if you really want to be the owner of your happiness, you've got to own your thoughts and your ideas. And in this moment, you can either take ownership and just acknowledge the truth that you could write a book right now, or you can continue living in a victim mentality and tell yourself, well, I'm not good enough or no one will like it, or how could I get this out to the world? And so I said, okay, you're right. And even with that realization, which was profound, it still took me, I, like, I think, another two weeks before I actually started writing. So one of the biggest things I'll say to your audience is, is if there is an idea or if there is a something burning inside you that you want to do and you want to get started, do it right now. Like literally drop what you're doing and take whatever is the smallest step that you can take towards that dream. If you don't have an idea, start brainstorming ideas. If you have an idea, write the title. If you have the title, write the first line because that's how it ended up happening for me. I was tired one day. I said, you know what? I'll start it tomorrow. I had been saying that every day for two weeks. I'll start it tomorrow. I'll start it tomorrow. And then finally that positive voice came back and said, Brian, just write the first line. Because I had been thinking about it every day for weeks, so I already knew how I wanted to start it. And finally I pulled out my computer and I wrote the first line. And the way I got the inspiration from it, my mom had told me at one point, because I said, I'm not really sure what to write about. And she said, Brian, write what you know and write what you love. And So I thought about those things in my life, and I'd recently started running with a group called My Team Triumph, which helps individuals with disabilities participate in endurance events. So if you or your listeners are familiar with Dick and Rick Hoyt, it's a father-son group. The son has cerebral palsy, and his dad, Dick, pushes him through races, through Ironmans, full marathons, half marathons all over the world. And he just stopped running, I think, at 73 years old, but... He inspired this group and I started running with them and was training for my first half marathon. I'd run a 5K pushing a war veteran. I'd uh, started to do fun runs that were a mile and I'd never been a runner before, but connecting with this group and these amazing people completely changed my life and helped me see a whole new reality. I was in the same place doing the same things day in and day out. But I just had this whole different lens and perspective as a result of running with this group. So I said, I want to write a book about my teen triumph. So the book is about a fictional character named Will who decides to run his first event with my teen triumph and the lessons he learns throughout it and what he comes to realize. And it's been just a wonderful amazing thing in my life. I actually got to launch the book from Brazil, which was, I I never would have imagined that to be the reality that I'd be launching my first book from one of my favorite countries in the world. And, um, it's been an amazing journey. It took me a little over two years to write and edit it. I worked with a fantastic editor who I found, you know, along the way in the process. And, The first three months, I donated everything I made to my team Triumph because I did not want writing this book to be about making money. I wanted it to be about spreading a message and serving a great organization and cause. And now I donate 10% of every book for the entire book's existence to my team Triumph. That's amazing. Thank you. I mean, you had several nuggets in there that I I really enjoyed. Um, 
aside from the fact that you wrote a book for such a worthy cause and you're giving back the way you are, um, you said something about being the owner of your happiness. Mm -hmm. And as a coach yourself and someone who's been on both sides of the coaching life, do you find that um, a majority of your clients or the people you work with don't really see that? Don't really claim ownership of their happiness? I would say yes. And I would say in my case, it was absolutely, I was not fully owning it or fully stepping into that power. And I think it's one of the most empowering and terrifying things to accept. Because when you say, I'm the owner of my happiness, I'm the owner of my life, and I'm not going to let anyone else's actions or words or influence dictate how I live and how I go through this experience, it's hugely empowering. There's this part of you that steps up and goes, well, I can take on the world. But then there's the other side of it where it goes, you know what? I can no longer blame someone for me not accomplishing something or me not being where I want. I can no longer look and say, well, the job market's bad, so this. I can't say, well, my parents did that to me, so how could I succeed? It's a really interesting paradigm where you're sitting there and you're like, I'm so empowered, but I'm also terrified. Yeah. And one of the biggest challenges, and I think mindset and how we approach things is one of the most important and critical pieces of how we live our life. That's why two people can experience the same instance. One can say, okay, here's the lesson and I'm motivated. Another can say, well, here's why today sucked. And for me, helping people get clarity on the limiting mindsets and beliefs and stories that they're holding on to and identifying that they are just stories is one of the most impactful things I can do as a coach and a friend because we so often believe that the life that we're living is what we're given and we just have to deal with it rather than stepping into that power and saying, I own this and I can create whatever I want in this life. But that means I also have to own the good and the bad. I have to own the areas in my life where I feel I need to improve and I need to say I'm willing to let go of the person I was to become the person I've always been destined to be and the person that has always existed inside of me. I think that's one of the biggest things to realize is that you are enough right now. You are everything you need to be right now. It's just about pulling back those masks and allowing yourself to vulnerably express yourself genuinely in the world. It's only by doing that that you ever fully step into who you are. That's, I mean, that's such a powerful statement. I mean, just three simple words, right? Owner mm -hmm. of your... No, it's that four words. It takes <laughs> away. I'm like, how many words? Uh, four words. Owner of your happiness. Mm -hmm. Five if you add own. Okay, whatever. You guys get own the point. Own your happiness. There you go. Three. <laughs> right? Own your happiness. Yeah. I mean, because it's a very simple concept, but one that I think a number of people, especially those who have dreams and don't chase them, believe in or accept. And they don't even look to the negative part because they can't even get to the fact that they are the owner of their happiness, mm -hmm. which brings me to the other part that you were saying that I, I was like, I didn't want to lose it in the story mm -hmm. was the question you asked yourself that, you know, what is stopping you? Mm -hmm. And so when you talk to your friends, your clients, uh, other people in your research and your travels, do you find more and more people don't really ask themselves that question? 
Absolutely. In fact, I find most people don't even know they can ask themselves these types of questions. And it might sound, that might sound strange, but the reality is, you know, in school, when we're being brought up, we're not taught to question our reality and question what it is we want to create. We're taught to ask questions about how do I do well on these tests to get these grades, to get this job or this thing. We're, you know, I didn't have any classes and I'm sure they exist out there, but I'd say they're few and far between where there are teachers that are really challenging kids to look inside themselves and see what it is that they want to create. And part of it comes from, like you said, asking those questions about who am I? What do I really want? How can I create that in this world? And what is the best way for me to uniquely and genuinely express this? Because we're so quick to say, and this is one of my favorites, well, there's no money in that. Yeah. And generally, people will say that because they don't know anyone who has made money doing that thing. Now, part of what I love about my journey and uh, starting my podcast was that's part of what I do is look for people who have overcome graduation in unique, exciting, different ways and are not just succeeding financially, which is just one barometer of success in my world, but are, have found purpose and meaning and connection and are deeply enjoying their lives because there's plenty of people out there that are making tons of money but are miserable. Oh, absolutely, I, yeah. Right, and I want to be connecting with the people who are making money because they're delivering massive value to the world and helping solve difficult problems because that's the person I want to emulate. So for the audience, if you want a certain result in your life, look to the people who have already done it and look to connect with them. Because when you meet someone who has gone through all the steps and achieved that, that thing that you want to do, they'll be able to enlighten you on a lot of the challenges that you're going to face, things that you don't expect. Because trust me, every new endeavor has unexpected twists and turns. And what to do in light of those challenges. It's really interesting. I remember in an interview once I was talking with someone about relationships. And we talked about how in relationships, oftentimes people will ask someone who is not – oh, no, I'm sorry. This was, this was uh, Ramit Sethi talked about this in, in an interview of his. So I was getting that confused with one of my interviews because <laughs> me and him look so much alike. No, no. Yes, um, you both have that same hairstyle. Right. We're both redheads. Uh, <clears throat> no, but he was talking about he, – he said, I would never ask my parents for relationship advice because they were both divorced multiple times. And you know, we'll do this as young adults. We'll ask our friend who can't hold a relationship, how do you build a strong relationship that can build into a strong marriage? Or how do you find – you'll ask that friend who's just going around and partying and hooking up, ask them, how do I find a deep, meaningful relationship? And I'm not saying to not connect with your friends and not talk to them, but there are resources out there who have achieved the thing you're looking for and usually will be able to give you much better advice on how you can achieve those same results in your life. Yeah. And guys, I, I think that it's one of those things where you get, I don't think we give ourselves enough credit. Mm -hmm. And I think that what I love about your story and what you're doing is you're helping people realize that. Right. Mm -hmm. And guys, definitely look more into Brian and everything he's doing. His The links will be on the show notes page because there's so many nuggets he's sharing today. <laughs> I mean, 
owner of your own happiness, asking yourself what's stopping you, not looking to people who aren't the people you should be looking to for advice on something, you know, Mm -hmm. the example about asking people who've been divorced twice about relationships. Hey, I'm just saying, think about it. (laughs) You know, I mean, the Mm -hmm. other thing is it's not always about the money. If you're doing, if there's something that makes you happy and it's not necessarily a six figure kind of job or anything like that, well, if it makes you happy, who cares? If you're okay with it, who cares? In fact, I would build on that and say, if money is the key driver behind what you're doing, seriously reevaluate it. Because I, I've been fortunate to meet and connect with some extremely successful people by all of society's standards. And what's really fascinating is, you know, we're caught up in a world of social media where we're constantly told bigger is better and how do you scale and how do you make your business explode and yeah, you made $10,000 this month, but how about $100,000? And this was something that I think we all can very easily get wrapped up in that, that kind of rat race. And especially in the entrepreneurial world, you hear these stories of the Tim Ferrisses out there, the people who are, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk who are crushing it. And we're like, yeah, that's what I should be doing. But most of us will start down that road without even asking ourselves what it is we really want to achieve. And yeah. The reality is, I believe that so many people, you know, we get caught up in big numbers in our society just because of social media. We hear about a video with 20 million views. We hear about somebody with 7 million Instagram followers. And it's easy for us. I mean, and Amy, I'm, I'm sure you deal with this as well, uh, being a podcast owner and running your blog, that it's easy for us to look at numbers and go, oh, I only had 100 views on this episode or 100 views this month, let's say. You go, man, I'm not doing anything. This is just, what am I really even doing here? Sure. When on the flip side, you could be saying, there's 100 people that had a chance to be impacted by the work that I'm doing. And this is, this is a really big one for me. So the really sexy and beautiful thing to say when you're in any kind of entrepreneurship or doing any kind of big project is, you know, if it helps one person, it was worth it. And everyone says that. And that's like, oh, man, what a genuine <laughs> good person. Like, and I've said that, too. And then caught myself being like, Brian, you're lying to yourself because you don't really feel that. You say that because it's the right thing to say. But then I was like, all right, Brian, let's, let's see what that really means. Let's say I made this new product, this new coaching program. Uh, I worked on a podcast episode for 20 hours. I put my blood, sweat, and tears into it. I said, this is going to be the biggest thing. Right. Heart and soul. I'm just pouring into this. And and I'm like, you know, it's so easy to be like, if it helps one person, but if it helps like 10,000, that'd be great. And, And so it's so easy to get caught up. But then, so I put all this time, I put 20 hours into this thing. And I'm like, and let's say it's a 10 minute episode. And I, you know, I'm like, this is going to be the thing. It's going to, everything's going to explode after this. And it gets one download. It gets one purchase. It gets one click. And to be able to look at that and celebrate and say, this is great. And if it wasn't the result I wanted, not beat myself up and say, man, you blew it. And this is crap. Clearly people don't want it. But to say, all right, man you achieve this and you put this genuine expression of yourself out into the world. And it may not be right now that it's really going to hit. Maybe it's a few years or months down the road that this is going to take off. But if you didn't get the results you wanted, 
How can you reevaluate, ask yourself what needs to change for you to succeed and then take action in that specific area? That is so much more of an empowering mindset than just constantly drop this and go to the next product. And, and one of the biggest evolutions I've made in the past couple months was I have let go of and continue because like anything else, it's a journey. I need to constantly remind myself. I have let go of the make it big mentality, like one post or one video or one thing is suddenly going to skyrocket me to this place that I want to be because that is one of the most dangerous traps because you're putting this stuff out there. You believe in your content, you're getting great guests and they're sharing amazing stories and people are coming back to you. And they're saying, listen, this really touched me. I really was impacted by that. That person was amazing that their story they shared. But then always in the back of your mind, there, there's this, yeah, but, but I want more. But I want more. And for the audience, guys, there's this thing. It has many different names, but the accomplishment fallacy, the achievement fallacy. If you believe that your happiness will come when you arrive at a point down the road in the future, I promise you that is just a lie. It's a pipe dream. It's something where I've been very fortunate to achieve a lot of things that I didn't think I would for many more years. And you think once you publish a book and it becomes a bestseller, you think once you start a business, suddenly you're going to be happy and all your problems are going to be fixed. The much more important thing to realize and the much more important work to do, first you have to realize that Moment to moment, when you create happiness moment to moment, because you only truly have each moment that you experience, that's how you create a lifetime of happiness. Sure, some of, some of these – oh, Amy, do I still have you there? Yep. Okay, sorry. My computer just uh, was doing an update there. But So understanding that moment to moment and looking for the joy and looking to create joy in your day-to-day experience – that's how a lifetime of happiness is created. It's not working for something until you're 40. Like you're working towards that milestone and you finally hit it and now your whole life is happy from that point back and forward. That's not how it works. So if there's something that you're telling yourself that once you achieve, you'll be happy, really question that and dig into that. Because for me, the deepest kind of understandings I've, I've been able to achieve about my life and about the world is when I really think something's going to create happiness for me, I ask myself why and who am I really doing this for? Is this really for me and generating a message or am I trying to impress people? Am I trying to create some sort of image? And if it's any of those other things outside of me building my message and sharing value with the world and expressing myself authentically, I seriously question whether or not it's something I want to be doing at all because time is one of the most valuable things we have. So if if I continue to push towards this future happiness, my whole life is going to be just looking down the road at that light at the end of the tunnel until I end up at the end of my life. And I'm like, I wasn't happy except for, you know, some brief moments here and there where I achieved big things and then I was just on to what's next. Brian, we could keep talking about these nuggets because I feel like <laughs> there's so much that we could share here. And uh, in in respect to, to the listeners' time, um, guys, definitely, definitely check out what Brian's doing, what he's talking about, and take heart to it because it's very powerful stuff. And I'm about to get one more powerful thing out of you, Brian. <laughs> so what is one thing 
you know, we've talked about so many things today, but what is one thing you would tell someone who's chasing their dreams? A resource to check out, a person to check out, uh, whatever it is. What is one thing you would do? Well, uh, can I give your audience some free giveaways? <laughs> sure, yeah, let's do it. All right, well, I think for me, especially when you're chasing your dreams, one of the most important quotes for me, uh, something my dad has said to me constantly is, um, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. And I think a lot of times we just do, we exist, we do what everyone else around us is doing and fall into that line and just hope that things will work themselves out. And oftentimes weeks and months and years can pass and we look around and we're like, nothing has changed. And none of these big things I always pictured myself doing are any closer. So I think the most important thing is to get clarity on what fuels you, what ignites your passion, what just creates a fire in your soul. What are those things that when you start talking about it, you just get so animated and jacked up. You start to lose track of time and you meet somebody else who loves to talk about that too. And you just get lost in the experience. Like those are the things that I think God or whoever it is you believe in the universe is trying to tell you that you should be spending your time on. And no matter what it is, like Amy and I said earlier, if you focus solely on the money then it just becomes another money-grabbing ploy. It's not just about your genuine creation and expression. So I created some free giveaways when I launched my book that I put a lot of time in because I wanted to uh, live a concept that's very important to me, and that's provide value first. So for anybody that's looking for a mentor or a coach or trying to connect with somebody that they revere, Always provide value first. Invest in their programs, buy their book, read their content, watch their videos. And then when you reach out to them, you can show you've invested time in them. So to live that message of providing value first before I ever ask anything of my audience, I put together three free giveaways with my book. So if you go to thefirststepgift.com, so that's the title of my book, The First Step, and then gift.com, all one word, you'll be taken to a page, that's a landing page, and all you have to do is enter your name and email. There's no sales page, there's no follow-up, there's no funnel. This was just something I wanted to do to give back. And you'll get three free giveaways. So the first one is the Passion Finder Dream Job Questionnaire. So over the past four years, I've spent so much time talking with people about their dreams, about their hopes, about what they really want to achieve and how they want to live their life. And this is a collection of the best questions I've found to help people gain clarity on what they want to do and why. Because uh, one quote I love is, focus on the what and the why, not the how and the when. So focus on what you want to do, why you want to do it, not how it's going to happen and when you're going to do it. Because focusing on the what and the why gives you the drive to push through those times when it gets rough, push you through those times when you're lost. Because trust me, guys, if you're doing something big that's important to your heart, you will face challenges. But this questionnaire helps you gain clarity and also gives you an idea of how to take action steps to start making those dreams a reality. The second giveaway is the uh, first step rapid language learning starter kit. So I speak Spanish and Portuguese fluently. I taught myself Portuguese in seven months while living in Wisconsin, which a lot of people laugh at because I'm like, yeah, you can imagine how not diverse the area was that I lived. I'm impressed, yeah. <laughs> so um, this, that was one of the other things I've been told in my life was, you know, oh, it, 
takes 10 years to learn a language. You'll never learn to be fluent, blah, blah, blah. And um, like Sean Stevenson says, never believe a prediction that doesn't make you feel better. One of the biggest things that served me in my journey is challenging things that I don't want to accept. So people said it's going to take you 10 years. I started reading up and saw people online that were saying you could do it in months, weeks, whatever. So I took those lessons, applied them, learned to speak Portuguese in seven months from speaking zero Portuguese to having two hour conversations in the language. And because of that, because I followed my, thank you very much. I appreciate that. (laughs) And because of me just doing this on a whim while I lived in Wisconsin, when there was no real reason for me to do it other than it genuinely interested me. When I got to this company and the project came up in Brazil, I was the first choice for it. So um, it ended up leading me to accomplishing one of my biggest dreams, which was living and working abroad and specifically in Brazil. So that's just a big lesson is you, it, by following your passion, you never know how things will fall together, but it also just brings you joy by doing it. So this, um, this giveaway will show you how to learn to speak a new language in three months. So I distilled the lessons down. I boiled down exactly how you do it, the resources I used, and it's totally free. You don't have to buy anything or like buy Rosetta Stone. It's free and you, the resources you use are free. So it's the best way I've found to do it as of, as of uh, now. And then the last is an interview bundle of interviews specifically for the overcoming graduation audience. So young, ambitious millennials who want to make a big difference in the world, but need some more inspiration, need some clarity and need some strategic steps they can take to make things happen. So in terms of how you can chase your dreams today, I want to help you gain clarity on what it is your dreams are and how you can start bringing them into your life. So please check out thefirststepgift.com and download the Passion Finder Dream Job Questionnaire. And if you want specific help, uh, you can visit overcominggraduation.com slash coaching and schedule a one-hour strategy session with me. Again, this is completely free. And we'll talk about how you can specifically set up strategies and systems in your life to create, start creating your dream life today and not wait for your happiness another minute. Such an amazing deal, guys, and all for free. Thank you, Brian, for sharing that and Absolutely. you know giving that away for, for the dream chasers who are listening. Guys, definitely check it out. Thank you once again, Brian, for being on the show and sharing so many nuggets of knowledge and your story as well. Well, thank you so much for having me, Amy. This is a real honor and a pleasure. I love seeing people doing things like what you're doing, but I also love that you've taken this very genuine expression of who you are and you're putting this out to the world. So one, I'm excited for you and it's really great to see people like you pursuing their passion and taking steps and living it. So I want to celebrate you as well because it encourages me and seeing all the wonderful things you're doing, it gets me excited. So thank you for having me on and thank you for being you. And that was Brian Drury. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to his story as much as I enjoyed having him on the show. Uh, two of the two of my favorite nuggets from his message today. One, be the owner of your own happiness. Two, what's stopping you from chasing your own dream? I'm just going to leave that with you. M- marinate on that. Think about it and go forth with whatever you decide after you do that. Okay. Now, remember, you can find all the show notes and any links mentioned from today's show on the show notes page 
for this episode at ChasingDreamsHQ.com slash episode 44. That's episode 44. Until next time, Dream Chasers, keep chasing. Thank you so much for listening to Chasing Dreams. Amy would love to connect with you and hear all about your pursuit of chasing your dreams. Connect with her on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram via at Chasing Dreams HQ. Or you can find Amy on Twitter at AmyJ21. That's A-I-M-E-E-J-2-1. Be sure to visit headquarters over at ChasingDreamsHQ.com for more inspiration, motivation, and resources to help with your own dream chase. We hope you'll join Amy next week. And until then, keep chasing. Keep chasing.